All right, the second part, we're going to describe the mechanisms of the adaptive immunity. And first, let's begin describing what happens at the very beginning where the APCs, the APCs are the ones that start all the process. These APCs, antigen-presenting cells, they are the ones that are the transition between the nonspecific and adaptive immunity. Here we have a comparison of the innate immunity, nonspecific, where we have a phagocyte, which can be a neutrophil or macrophage, just eating the bacterium. Eating the bacteria will just destroy it, and but the adaptive immunity starts when the APC will process the antigens of the bacterium. Now the APC is described as a dendritic cell or even as a macrophage. It can be a macrophage. The macrophage works in the innate immunity but also works in the adaptive immunity. That's what I was saying. It's like a transition from specific to adaptive immunity. These phagocytic cells are of two types dendritic cells and macrophages. Dendritic cells and macrophages. What's the difference? Well, dendritic cells are cells that are present in the lymph node. They also derive from the bone marrow, from the red bone marrow, and they're a special type of uh, immune cells. They are comparable to the Langerhans cells that we described in the skin. We said uh, melanocytes, keratinocytes, Merkel cells, and Langerhans cells, which are the immune cells of the skin. They are macrophages. They are like dendritic cells. Their mission is to capture any invader that tries to get inside our body. And there's a link between the innate and adaptive immunity. What are the pathways? B cells and T cells are supposed to be exposed to these antigens in order to respond or be activated. So who is going to do this job? The APCs, that's why they are called APCs. They are going to present the antigen to the T cells and B cells. B cells, they have receptors and they can recognize antigens wherever they are, in the lymph, interstitial fluid, or even in the plasma. And the T cells, they also have receptors, but they can only recognize these fragments of antigens that have been processed they have to be processed. So the B cells can recognize and detect antigens wherever they are. But the T cells, they need to be presented. They need that antigen to be processed by the APCs in order to respond or be activated. That's the main difference between these two cells. The process of activation is different. Well, this process of antigen processing 
works in this way. The proteins are broken down. So imagine a bacterium, a virus entering the macrophage or APC will eat it, digest it, breaking down in fragments. And those fragments, those pieces are going to bind the MHC molecules. And so what we have is a complex, antigen MHC complex. That is inserted into the plasma membrane of a cell. That's what the antigen presentation is. That's what the APC does. Question? Um, do APCs recognize antigens? If? Do they, um, do APCs recognize the antigens? The APCs, they recognize the antigens as something that is foreign by chemotaxis. By chemotaxis, and they find something that is abnormal and engulf it. Then after being the process the proteins, find the antigens and express it on the surface of the cell. That's all they do. But they, they, their work is to eat anything that is around or anything strange that comes closer to them. And this is the way that an antigen is processed when it's an exogenous, that means that comes from outside the cell. We have this antigen here, and it's phagocytized. This is the APC. This antigen is digested, and we see here the fragments, the, pepti the, the peptide fragments, in this case of this antigen. And now, at the same time, this cell is producing in their endoplasmic reticulum is producing proteins which are of the MHC2 complex. These green formations are the, these proteins. Well, they bind these vesicles containing MHC2 molecules. They will fuse, fuse to the vesicles containing the antigen fragments. And now what we have is this. The MHC protein, MHC class 2, will bind the piece of antigen, the epitope or antigenic determinant. And now this complex, since it's an MHC protein, which is supposed to be a flag, a marker of this cell, it will be expressed on the membrane. It will go to the membrane and we will see it finally like this. But the MHC protein is there and it's holding this piece of antigen. That's the way they present that antigen to the other cells. So if we see the APCs, they will be, they will have MHC proteins on the surface holding the antigen of whatever invader or microorganism uh, has been processed by these cells. This in case of the antigen, if the antigen is exogenous or comes from out of the cell. And in the case that the antigen is endogenous, and when the antigen is endogenous, like in virus, viral infections, you know, the viruses, they enter into the cell. They get into the cytoplasm. A bacteria will not get into the cell. A bacteria will be phagocytized 
but the cells, but the virus will enter into the cell, get into the cytoplasm. And once inside, still, it will be digested, processed, and the MHC in this case is a different type because we're not talking about an APC. This happens in any cell of the body. Infected body cells, like in a viral infection. Uh, we say uh, we have a viral, um, we have the flu, or we have pharyngitis, or it's a viral pharyngitis. Well, this will happen in the cells of the mucosa. In the cells of the respiratory epithelium, this will be happening. But still, this antigen will be processed. But this cell, since it's not an APC, it's a body cell, it will produce a different type of MHC, the MHC1. Now this MHC1 will bind the antigen and still it will be expressed on the surface of the membrane in this way. But this MHC1 is holding an antigen also. What's the purpose of this? Well, this is like a marker. It's like saying, I'm infected. I'm infected. And what for? So the cytotoxic cells, cytotoxic T cell, when it comes, it will find that cell with a flag that is infected, and it will attack it and destroy it. Why? Because that cell is infected and it is not going to survive. Instead, we need to eliminate that cell so the viruses will not be reproducing anymore. So that's the way that these cells are um, cleaned up. And that's what we see in a respiratory infection. We have sore throat and we have a bronchitis, a laryngitis. We are all irritated and red. It looks like we have a, a wound inside. It burns. But what's happening is this. All these cells have been infected by the virus and now the cytotoxic T cells are cleaning up. All those cells have been removed. And new cells are produced to replace the infected cells. Questions? So the infected cells, they express MHC1. APCs express MHC2 molecules. In either case, they carry the antigen on the membrane as a marker. Now, uh, uh, I said that uh, the immune response is complex because there are many other steps involved. And one of the factors that work in all these steps of activation and stimulation are cytokines. And the cytokines are chemical substances, are chemicals, uh, factors, also known as growth factors. In either way, in general, they are called cytokines. And there are many different types which receive a specific name, like interleukin 1, interleukin 2, 4, 5, 6. There are up to 20 or 30 different types of interleukins, which work in a different way. Just to mention some of them, interleukin 1, for instance, is produced by the macrophages, promotes proliferation of helper T cells, and acts on the hypothalamus to cause fever. That's responsible for fever. Produced by macrophages. So when the macrophages are fighting against bacteria, they will produce this interleukin 1, and it will be the factor that will reset the hypothalamus. Interleukin 4, produced by helper T cells, 
cause stimulator for B cells and causes plasma cells to secrete antibodies type E and promotes growth, growth of T cells. So every interleukin has a specific, a specific action. And if you see a diagram of the whole immune response, you will see every single step, like two or three interleukins interacting with the, uh, with the cells. One of them that is uh, worth mentioning and highlight is interferons. What are interferons? Interferons are chemicals produced by virus-infected cells. Virus-infected cells. And what's the purpose of the interferon? The interferon will inhibit viral replication in uninfected cells, usually neighbor cells. So it is the substance, like when a cell gets infected, it will produce interferon, and that will be the signal that will give an alert to the other cells around to protect themselves. They get prepared for the infection that is going on. What it means activation? When we say, well, yeah, T cells get activated, B cells get activated. By activation, we mean that they will start replicating. They will start replicating and will be lots of B cells or T cells uh, quickly. And that process is called clonal selection. Clonal selection from clone. Because if one B cell is activated, that B cell will produce many duplicates, exact duplicates of the same type of cell, clones. That's what we call clonal selection. Identical cells. Why? Because all of them have to be the same. They all have to recognize the same antigen as the original cell. And this clonal selection in lymphocytes produce two types of cells. Effector cells, which are the ones that are going to fight, and memory cells. Some of these cells will just not fight, they will just stay inactive, but they will keep memory. They have been exposed to the antigen and they will probably be activated later on if we are exposed to the same antigen again. The effector cells are the, are the soldiers that go and fight, and after they die. Memory cells are not going to fight, they're just going to stay there. So in the lymph nodes, the spleen, bone marrow, we have many different types of memory cells that keep the information about different microorganisms that we are exposed to. And our graph again, same graph than before, where we see all these B cells. T cells of two types. T helper cells are very important because they are going to <coughs> activate or stimulate the activation of both types of immunity, cell-mediated and antibody-mediated. Now, when there is an infection, a microorganism comes inside the body, both immunity types are activated. It's not that they are exclusive, but they one may prevail over the other sometimes. Like, if we have a viral disease, infection with a virus, first infection, 
it will start infecting lots of cells. And what we see is more predominance of the cell-mediated immunity. But if a second infection happens with the same microorganism, we will see more of the antibody-mediated immunity because the antibodies are going to be prepared already. It's the second infection. And more of them will be produced to neutralize all those microorganisms. But in general, both types of immunity are activated whenever we have an infection or threat or any factor. So some mechanisms about the cell-mediated immunity now, the steps that follow. In cell-mediated, the antigen is recognized and bound, APCs. Small number of T cells will proliferate but then differentiate into a clone of effector cells, the activation that we call it. And then the antigen will be eliminated. The effector cells are the ones we're going to fight. In this diagram, we see the summary of this process. We see an APC up here, which is carrying the antigen in an in in an MHC2 molecule, we have the detail in this circle. We have the MHC2, the antigen, and look at the CD4. In the previous graph, we see CD4 protein. Well, that is present in the helper cell. CD4 cell is called. Well, that is like a, like a hook that stabilizes this uh, connection or exposure to the antigen. Well, when this happens, this inactive helper T cell will get activated. And by activated, we mean clonal selection. Active helper T cells and memory helper T cells. That will follow after the clonal selection. If we're talking about cytotoxic T cell. How is it activated? Well, the infected body cell is the one that is carrying the MHC1 bound to the antigen. That cell is infected. In this case, the CDA protein is the one that hooks and stabilizes the connection. Well, the cytotoxic T cell is exposed to these infected body cells and it's activated. Clonal selection follows, cytotoxic cells proliferate and they will attack and destroy the infected body cells. And also memory cells, memory, cyto memory cytotoxic T cells are produced. How do cytotoxic T cells work? They are going to destroy infected cells. And these two uh, graphs are showing two different mechanisms by which they work. This will be the effect. An infect, the infected body cell will go into apoptosis or it will just go into cytolysis. What's the difference? Well, in this apoptosis line, granzymes will be released and those granzymes will program the cell death of that infected body cell. In the other case, 
these two substances, granulosin and perforin, will be produced and it will make holes to the infected body cell and the body cell is destroyed. In either case, the infected body cell will be destroyed. And when antigens are released, well, the phagocytes will get rid of them and the immune response will continue in that way. Antibody mediated. The antigen is recognized. The helper T cells will co-stimulate the B cell. B cell will be activated, clonal selection, effector cells. And these effector cells will produce antibodies. That's the main weapon of the antibody mediated. And following that, the antigen is eliminated. You see the process of the B cells here? We have a B cell inactive with a receptor on top. When it's exposed to the microbes, it will react with the antigenic determinants, the epitopes of that microbe. And that will activate them. Here at the side, we have a helper cell helping, co-stimulating, so to make this response more effective. Clonal selection will follow. And all these cells, the B cells, activated B cells, will turn into plasma cells. And the plasma cells will produce antibodies, proteins. Antibodies which are specific for that microantigens. Also, memory cells here. Memory cells that will be kept so the next time that you're exposed to these microbes, the response will be very, very effective and efficient. What are antibodies? They are proteins. Immunoglobulins or IgEs. Gamma globulins also called. When we study the blood and we describe plasma proteins, we mention alpha globulins, beta globulins, gamma globulins, which are the antibodies. They are produced by plasma cells, which are originated from B cells. The antibodies structure is two heavy chains of amino acids and two light chains of amino acids all bound by sulfur or disulfide bonds, chemical bonds. And if we see the antibody molecule, it has the shape of a letter Y with two arms and one stem. That's how it looks uh, under the, uh, the studies and projections or modeling of these molecules. There's a variable region because it's going to change depending on what type of micro or antigen is facing to. And the stem is the same for all type of antibodies. It looks something like this. V stands for the variable region. So these two tips of the both arms are the ones who are going to face the antigens. And they will be variable because it will be, they will be different for every single micro or virus. But the rest of the molecule will remain the same. That's the only part that changes. 
There are two chains, two heavy chains, which are these long chains that we see here, the blue and the yellow, and two light chains in red. When we put them together, then we have this molecule like one stem and two arms. I see the same thing here. This is a model of a molecule of immunoglobulin G. It looks like a letter Y. There are five types of antibodies, and they are here. They are shown here. All of them with the same shape. We have the G, A, D, E, and M. And the M is bigger. It's bigger because it's, it's called a pentamer. <coughs> it has five units. If you notice, there are like five molecules, five letter Ys connected in that shape. That's how the IgM is uh, actually in the, uh, in the body fluids, in the plasma, or in the lymph. And what are the functions of these antibodies? Every single antibody type has a specific function. Let's highlight some of the functions of each of them. The G-type. About 80% of all antibodies are of this type. M. About 5 to 10% of all antibodies are of this type. <coughs> they are found in the blood, in the lymph, the G-type is the one that protects against bacteria, viruses, enhances phagocytosis, neutralizes toxins. That's, we can say that's the main type of antibody. This is the type of antibody that goes through the placenta from the mother to the fetus during pregnancy and provides protection to newborns, at least for the first three months. The type M is the second in amount and is found in the lymph. It's a pentamer, five units. Now, important about the M is that it is the first type of antibody that is produced by plasma cells after initial exposure to any antigen. Let's say it's the first time I, I have hepatitis, the virus invades my body and my immune response, my immune system response producing antibodies first. The first type of antibody that I produce is type M. Then after some days, I will start producing the G type. These two are the main types of antibodies that we have in the blood and in the lymph. This M are the ones that are determinant for the reactions with the blood groups well, we studied in the blood chapter, anti-A, anti-B, anti-AB, all that, was this M-type usually. What about the other, the other types? A, type A, remember body fluids, sweat, tears, saliva, mucus, breast milk, gastrointestinal secretion. It's about 10 to 15% of all antibodies, but related to body fluids mostly, and mucous membranes. They protect when we eat something, they are found in saliva, in the stomach, in the tears, 
they protect our eyes. The D-type and E-type are the least in amount. They are found on the surface of B-cells and they are involved in the activation of B-cells. And the E-type, they are on the surface of mast cells and basophils. This is the one involved in allergic reactions, the E-type, immunoglobulin E. What are the mechanisms that these antibodies work? <laughs> neutralization. What do you mean neutralization? It comes and binds the bacteria from all places. And it binds and adheres to the surface of the microbes, to the antigenic determinants, producing agglutination, precipitation. Same effect that we saw when we mixed the blood types with the anti-A, anti-B, we saw agglutination, precipitation like sand. Without what happens with the bacteria and how they're going to live in that way, they, they die. But the antibodies, they do not kill the bacteria, they just neutralize them. Second mechanism, here we have neutralization and agglutination. Second mechanism is called um, the complement activation. Complement is a set of proteins in the blood plasma that will kill the bacteria. It will make a hole to the bacteria or microorganism and in that way will, will be uh, killed. This bacteria, surrounded by many antibodies, stimulates the phagocytes. It's like the bacteria becomes more attractive to the phagocytes. And the phagocytes come and start eating them better. That process is called opsonization. When the bacteria is surrounded by many antibodies and the phagocytes will eat them easier. These are uh, some ideas about the complement. As I say, it's a series of blood proteins or plasma proteins that work together with the antibodies. They may be activated by other ways, other pathways also, uh, but the antibodies are the ones that also activate them and produce these bacteria to be destroyed. These proteins of the complement system will make a hole to the bacteria, make a hole and destroy it. This is just the final steps of this complement activation, which is called a membrane attack complex. And it make a hole to the cell. And the bacteria with the hole, what happens? How they die? They die by osmosis. You just open a hole and all the sodium, potassium, they get crazy. Potassium comes in, comes out, sodium is completely disorganized and there is no action potential, nothing, no balance and the cell dies. Now a couple of words about immune system or immune response in terms of the 
what we call primary response and secondary response. As we said, in the first encounter with a microorganism, there's a reaction of the immune response, the immune system, and many, many cells are activated. Some of them effectors, and some others memory cells. Well, these memory cells are part of what we call immunological memory, which means, and this is an example of that, any disease, first exposure on day zero. Primary response, that means the first time that we're exposed to some microorganism. What happens? The first antibody that is produced is IgM, which is the red line. And after some days, the production declines, as long as the bacteria are eliminated, the virus, microorganisms are eliminated. Then the next days, right after the IgM, the G-type is produced in the first response, the blue line. So this is what happens the first time that you're exposed to, let's say, the virus of the measles. You're exposed, and your body fought <coughs> against the virus, you're fine. Secondary response is the second time that you're exposed to the same microorganism. What's going to happen? IgM, still the first antibody to be produced, but now, at the same time the M-type is produced, the G-type is being produced. And look how much of the G-type, huge amounts. Those are produced by memory cells. And why the response so quickly? Because in the first response, the primary response, we didn't have memory cells yet. But in the secondary response, we have a bunch of memory cells. So at the same time the virus enters our body, it will activate plasma cells that produce IgM, but at the same, the same time it will activate memory cells that we already have with information about the same virus. And we have a tremendous response, IgG. And with that, we usually control the disease. We don't have no symptoms at all. We are immune to that <coughs> virus. Yes. What happens are many, many different reasons. Um, there's sometimes cases where we see someone comes with an infection, like let's say chickenpox, and uh, we ask, is the first time that you're exposed? No, I had it before. I had it like, like five years ago, and now again. How is that possible? In theory, it's not possible, because if you had, if you've been exposed to that virus already, you have antibodies against that, and you are immune. But if the virus has mutated, the antigenic determinants have changed a little bit. And now you don't have memory cells for those antigens. And then you can get it again. But the virus is chickenpox, but it's not the same strain. It's a different strain. It's a mutated type of virus. That happens every year with the flu, uh, with, the flu with the influenza virus. That's why every year they have to prepare new batches of, uh, of, of vaccines with different including a long list of antigens from different strains of virus because it mutates every year. The other reason may be that the immune system is weak in some way. Some people with immunodeficiencies, some diseases that will alter your immunity, like if you have diabetes, you have cancer, you have HIV, then your immune system is lowered, depleted, and you may have 
the infection again, even if it's the same virus. And third is that there are viruses that are related, like people that have um, this disease called the shingles, which is caused by the herpes virus or herpes zoster virus. That is a type of virus very similar to the chickenpox virus. And so you may see sometimes cross-reactions. Or people that have shingles, now they have chickenpox. And so how come? Well, they're a family. And so in primary secondary response work as long as you're dealing with the same virus. But it may be some uh, variation sometimes. That's the way the vaccines work. That's the way the vaccines work, and uh, these are the different types of immunocompetence. Immunocompetence is the ability to be protected uh, against different circumstances, like there are two types, natural and artificial. Natural active is when we get some viral disease like hepatitis A, we produce antibodies, and now in the second time, we are, we are immune. We've been exposed and we are prepared. Natural passive, for instance, the one that the baby receive antibodies from the mother through the placenta and through the breast milk. That's natural, but it's passive. The baby is not doing anything. It's not getting sick. Just receiving antibodies from the mother. And artificial, active, those are vaccines. We give microorganism, dead viruses, pieces of viruses, because we just need the antigenic determinants, the epitopes, and it stimulate the body. Stimulate the body to form antibodies, so they are prepared. So the next time that the real virus comes, it will be a secondary response. They are protected. And passive, artificial, is an injection of some antibody, like when you get poisoned by like, snake, bite or spider bite and we know the toxin the, the the poison and we have the antidote for that those are usually antibodies that are given as artificial passive immunity and that is seen in a, in, in a graph like this immunity innate and acquired which may be active where our own antibodies or passive receiving antibodies already made Active may be natural or artificial, and passive may be also natural or artificial. Finally, immune system is very important because this is something that this proposes a theory, but it is practically accepted as a fact that every single day we may be producing malignant cells in our body because of different reasons, excessive exposure to the sun, some mutation, some food that we eat with a carcinogenic, the substance that produces cancer, and some cells are turning malignant in our body. But they are recognized as abnormal, and they are eliminated by the cytotoxic T cells. And that is another important thing about the immune system. So it is recognized that there is a surveillance systems, system as part of the immune cells. There are a list of two more antigens that are produced by certain types of cancer. And they are the markers that these cells recognize. 
As soon as these cells turn malignant, they will express these antigens or proteins, which are abnormal. They are not our own. They are non-cell. They are strange. And therefore, the cytotoxic cells, macrophages, and a type of cell that is also part of the immune system is called NK cells. <coughs> that stands for natural killer. These are the ones that are going kill malignant cells. And this is what happens under this theory that there's an equilibrium. If some malignant cells are produced, well, they are quickly eliminated by NK cells and by CD8 cells. But if for some reason this equilibrium is lost, then it gets out of control and we get cancer. Okay, questions? We're done.